Welcome to Dr. Three, a Hearthstone podcast dedicated to giving you explosive growth and climbing the standard ranked ladder. I'm your host, Daring Alkaline, and along with me are my fellow hosts, Dragon Rider and Major Death. So let's just uh let's just bounce into it. It's been a been a busy week. A lot of warlock going around. <laughs> so let's go into last week's poll question. Mage, what did we have last week? I don't know if you heard the loud crash in the background, but my cats seem to have caused a big ruckus. But we'll put, we'll put, I'll push on. Last week's poll question, how quickly would you expect to feel a difference in the meta after balance changes? Was the question. We had 32 votes and uh, some very interesting results. Within two to three days was the winner with 46.9% of the votes. Within a week was second with 28.1, immediately was third with 15.6, and within a couple weeks uh, was the final choice with 9.4. So should see it fairly quickly, but not immediately. So I, <laughs> so so I'm wondering who those who those like immediately after the patch uh, screenshots lulling balance changes are for that at that point because. We all know it takes a little bit of time before we act. Exactly. It, so. it takes a little bit of time to see if what what was nerfed is still good and yeah. what fills the void. So Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So let's move on to news. So Hearthstone Mercenary Stream has been scheduled for August thirty first, nine AM PT. Game director Ben Lee, game designer Joe Killian, and UI designer Hasiba Arshard uh, for a deep dive into the upcoming Mercenaries game mode. I apologize for butchering that last name. Showcase will feature game live game or excuse me. Showcase will feature gameplay, reveal tons of content, and formally announce the Mercenaries launch date. Twitch drops will be available between 8.30 a.m. and 10 a.m. PT for watching 15 and 30 total minutes. So you'll get, you'll get, yeah, you'll get two, two uh, United in Stormwind packs for watching not just the Hearthstone Mercenary stream, but a Hearthstone stream during that time. So 15 minutes, and then you have to claim it now. That that's the new thing on Twitch. You have to claim your your first pack and for it to, the time to start for your second pack. So be sure to do that. But yes, we're finally seeing mercenaries. Woo! Yay! Oh, <laughs> and I I apologize in advance for anybody that is hoping to get those pack drops from my stream because if you have heard me talk on my stream or on this podcast, you know how freaking excited I am for this game mode. I will be ending my stream so that I can put all of my attention to watching this and then yes. probably do a, a YouTube video afterwards or something to, to make up for the missed uh, stream time. But I'm so freaking excited. I also love there there was seemingly a slip up in when the uh, trailer got put out and then it went to private so i love how they said formally announced the mercenaries launch date <laughs> yes we <laughs> we we're not we're not discussing the leaked information yeah, no. of the of the trailer or the unofficial launch date 
which is out there in the uh, on the internet if you want to go looking for it. It is out there, but the official stuff is coming next net next Tuesday, uh, the thirty first, and we'll see that trailer. We'll get an official announcement date. Find out who some of these uh, mercenaries that we're going to be able to add to our team is, and 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 all of that. Yeah, Blizzard seems to leak things a lot, so like I'm like. <laughs> Is this really a leak or is this intentional build hype? <laughs> I mean, either either way, it does it does build hype? So like, but if that to be fair, like there have been times where even they've said that they sometimes change things last minute. So like, I don't personally, I I'm not a fan of leaks. And plus, it's like I also if something does happen to change at the last minute, I don't want to be like excited for something and then it changes and i'm like oh now i don't like this other thing or whatever that might be but either way this that we're talking about is official and it's cool that they're gonna do um an actual stream on it uh we kind of got this information before right they said they they announced previously uh it's not coming but there will be more information like later so it's cool that we're gonna get another stream yeah yeah still feels like summer and they're showing us this so that's that's nice yeah yeah this is this is definitely gonna be good so something to look forward next week okay so then we have xr's twitter q a number 26 dean covered achievements cosmetics events as well as systems among other topics regarding buffs to offset encanter's nerf Considered it, but not very seriously. Flow is obviously great, maybe even better than it was last expansion. That said, I think the deck is less reliant on it now to be able to execute on a plan. Regarding an in-game tracker, not really. I don't think it enhances the game for the majority of the audience, and for the players that it does enhance the experience for, the tool already is available. Not much upside. And regarding bringing back a keyword, I could see us use, bringing back Magnetic for the right expansion. So, Ixar asks Twitter, would you like to see a class bonus event in Hearthstone? It prompted from a thread during the weekly Q&A. The details. In Constructed, a random class would be chosen as your bonus class. Winning games with that class gives you double XP and double stars. After three wins with your bonus class, it swaps to a new one. Says it would result in star inflation. Also asked how long an event like that should last. And there were 250 plus replies from the tweet as of this recording. That's, so, a, that's, a lot of that's, an, inter- that's an interesting, <laughs> interesting idea. And... We were talking a little bit about uh, about this before the recording started, and I I really want them to do more in game events. Like I I I know that I think initially that was the plan when they switched to this rewards track system, and then because of um, some concerns about the system uh, when we first saw the information on it without the information about in game events. They kind of then moved all that stuff that you could potentially earn in the events into the rewards track by default. They've said this. This is this is what they did. 
but I still feel like it would be nice to do more things big and small in the game. I, you know, recently we saw the Nazdormu Day thing start, and I think that's a great, great thing. You know, we see these big events like the Fire Festival and things like that. Those are great as well. But I, there's there's lots of opportunities to do events big and small in the game, and I just would love to see more of that. And so the fact that they're at least talking about this and getting feedback on it, I I, I feel like a majority of people would be in favor of more in-game events, whether it's something like a class bonus or it's something, you know, maybe a little bit bigger than Nazdarmu Day, not quite as big as Fire Festival, but I, w- I would love to see more things that, that you could do. Maybe even something like, uh, that's like a weekly thing, not dissimilar to like the Tavern Brawl. It doesn't have to be a new mode, but it's something that just happens for a week that you have, that you can do and then it, then it switches to something else. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on that. Would be on, interesting. I'm I mean, I'm up for whatever they want to do. Like I like what's going on right now. I think they've been proven to be very creative with this and it's uh you know, I I'm up to try basically anything they want to throw at us and give it a shot because they had a pretty historically good track record for doing new things here. It's not perfect, but like it, even when things aren't perfect, they generally try and um strain them towards the positive. So I feel pretty good about Team 5 and their ability to put things that are good for the game overall even if they're not good at first. Minus Doom in the Tomb. Minus Doom in the Tomb. <laughs> We don't talk about that. Yeah, no, no, we don't talk about that. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to go back there. Please, no. Um, so, yes. Yeah. yeah, this this concept is pretty interesting. We talked about last week about the like getting to ban a class on ladder. Uh, this is a little different. Um, I still think this might create its own issues, potentially, uh, especially depending on like if they make it the same class for everybody. You know, or or how that would work. You know, would it just be random? I'm not sure. Um, but uh, it's it's interesting. I feel like I maybe like this a little more than the one we talked about last week, because I think this is at least flexible and like it's it's a little bit more like you can still have different decks and different classes. Whereas last week it was like, nope, not that one. Um, where I feel like they could maybe fit this in a little easier instead of like mage said like it this wouldn't necessarily need its own mode whereas i feel like having the band thing would yeah, so, yeah. and this would encu- yeah. En- encourage you to play different decks too right because like every three games you get enticed to play a different class so yeah it seems interesting um so moving on, we have Deck Guide Spotlight, uh, Wicked Goods Deck Guide to Quest Handlock. Um, it's on Off Curve. We'll, it'll be in the show notes. Steve runs through gameplay, card inclusions, mulligans for likely matchups, as well as how to play against it. Moving over to Grandmasters, Possessi, Frenetic, Monsanto get wins during week two of Grandmasters. 
Um, the deck lineups for the winners, Possessies was Fatigue, Quest Handlock, Questline Shaman, Shadow Priest, and Questline Mage. Um, Frenetic had Questline Warlock, Questline Shaman, Questline Mage, and Face Hunter. And Mosanto had Shadow Priest, Garot Miracle Rogue, Questline Shaman, and Questline Fatigue Handlock. Notes. Warlock was brought this week to uh, Last Hero Standing by all 48 players. Shaman was the second favorite in all regions, and Mage came in third in APAC. Um, and Europe, whereas America's preferred hunters. Paladin Warriors were universally left out of this week's lineups. And some sad news. Muzzy announces he's retiring from competitive Hearthstone at the end of the season. The announcement was made via Twitter on August 23rd. Tweet reads, just a heads up to everyone. No matter the result, this will be my final season of GM. Had eight great years with the game, but it's about time that I moved on and let some good, some more young blood have a shot at their dreams. So, uh, that's sad. Like, uh, just seeing the guys that, like, like my favorite guys, like, kind of go away is, uh, um... Sorry, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm going back to the notes, and uh, I, I, as we're talking about this, I realized Mage wanted to talk about the uh, the quest, the, I apologize, I had my notes up, sorry, every, everyone, Mage asked if he could introduce the quest guide, and I apologize, I just glossed over it. I want, so I just, yeah, well, let's, first, let's give Muzzy his due, yes. he's been an excellent player, in Hearthstone for as long as I've been following Hearthstone, which yep. has been, you know, several years. And like, he is uh, just uh, seems, seems like a, a really, he's an excellent player. He seems like a really good guy as well. Um, don't I, a lot of people were giving him the you know greatest of all time uh, responses to the Twitter uh, tweet about him retiring. And yeah, it does. It, it feels like there is kind of this start of this 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 shift. Uh, yeah, you know we're 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 seeing you know people like Muzzy, people you know that that were with the game right from the beginning, kind of move on, either because they've joined Blizzard or because they've you know they've just decided to to go somewhere else. And now we're seeing people like Gabby ju- jumping up and kind of taking taking that spot. Not a bad thing because uh, new players are obviously really vital and they're they're really really good players in their own right. But uh, it is a little sad to see someone of of Muzzy's stature in the game uh, decide that that he's gonna gonna move on to something else. Yeah, last year was just saying this year's it's Muzzy. So so yeah, yeah. and and it's just sad to see those people go. It, it is sad, but I think it's like a bittersweet thing. Yep. Because I, like, I'm a big believer in, like, you have to do what's best for you. And, you know, to see other people, I mean, it, it doesn't sound like he's upset or like he's, you know, I mean, I, I don't know everything behind the scenes or what he's dealing with or why he's making this decision now versus, you know, at a different time. But, you know, it overall, it, it sounds like he's just kind of ready for a, a change in his own life and the next thing. And, you know, I, I think that's awesome. So it's, 
it is a little sad overall for kind of the the community but for him personally i i do wish him the best and i really hope that you know he finds a lot of success in whatever he chooses to do next here here that i could not have said that better <laughs> so so going back i i just we don't spotlight necessarily a lot of deck guides there, there are a lot of deck guides out there, but we do, when we come across ones that are really good, we want to highlight them during our news segment with a deck spotlight. And so I just wanted to point out, you know, that this is, this is a really well-written guide that goes through, talks about every single card that is in the deck, why it's there. There's tech card options. Uh, you know, he, he talked a lot about, uh, you know, his game's, before the nerf patch and so some of it's a you know a little bit different you might construct the deck a little bit differently uh than maybe you would now but i i there's a lot of great information in there uh and how to think about the deck that sort of thing we're going to be talking about the handlock deck during our main portion of of the uh the main topic of, of the episode today but we would definitely encourage you to, to take a look at that guide that, that uh, Wicked Good wrote. And when we come across guides in the future, we will point them out to you so that you have access to this information so that you can do better on the ladder. Exactly. Sorry for that disjointed thing. That was my, my fault for not looking at our chat. So my apologies, everyone. My apologies. I just, I just wanted to give it a yes. give it a little bit more. You know, just kind of explain why. You know, because there literally is. I mean, you go to Hearthbone, you go anywhere. There's lots of lots of deck guides that you can see, and and and, and so there's lots of lots of them there. But we when we find ones that we we really like or think they're really really well done, we're gonna we'll we'll, we'll try and highlight those. Hopefully every week we get one, but at least every time we come find one that we like and want to make sure that you've seen, we will we will spotlight it during the news segment. Yeah, I just I didn't think about spotlighting it like that because like in my mind, anything that Steve puts out is just like top tier anyway. Yes. It's like <laughs> yes. he's really, really smart and he's a very insightful and like just a high skill player. So like his insight he's very even keel he's he's one of the one of the, my favorite people i've ever met in the hearthstone community he's such a nice guy and he is i i can't even just like i've just talked about random stuff and he's like super insightful so like wicked good is just an amazing person and like he's very good at what he does in the comment you know, Whatever he puts out for Hearthstone comment, I would highly recommend you consume if you're looking for additional content. He's phenomenal. I cannot say enough about <laughs> Wicked Good. So, yes. Okay. So you probably you may have already seen it, but just in case, we wanted to make sure that that we we brought it here so that so that you had the link so you could go back to it. Exactly. So moving on to tournaments. Uh, Dragon Rider, did you want to do the tournament section? Yeah, that's cool with me. Yeah. All right. Well, first, I also uh, kind of leading into the tournaments, I I feel like I have said, and I especially last week, because I'm just, you know, mixing up my words a little bit, but I feel like I've said the top 50% of players instead of the top 50 win rate percent of players who play 20 or more 
uh, qualifiers for the Masters Tour. I- I'm not sure if I said that, but I feel like I did. So I just want to like apologize, correct myself, clarify. If I'm saying the top 50% of players, it's the top 50 players who have the highest win percent not the top 50% of players. So it is only 50 players, period, just 50 people. I just want to clarify that uh, for Masters Tour qualifiers. And I mentioned last week about they have the official stats uh, document on the website. So if you're interested in checking out kind of where people stand, you can find that. But the big thing coming up is this coming weekend, August 27th through the 29th, is Masters Tour Silver Moon. And this is one that is based off of Pacific Time for the start. So the broadcast does start at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. And they do have the YouTube drops available as well. So two Year of the Phoenix packs. Uh, You get the first one after two hours of watching and then the second one after another two hours. So four hours total over the whole weekend. And we'll have that link for you as well. But it's going to be really exciting. Uh, we're we're going to talk more in depth here in a minute about some of the like meta. And I've just been watching like Twitter and discords and stuff, watching people talk about potential lineups or what they think is going to be popular, what they think is going to be brought in this tournament. It's just like, it feels so all over the place. And I'm so excited for this tournament. I think it's going to be amazing. And uh, it feels like, Sometimes they have tournaments that are like right after nerfs and sometimes they're like a week and a half or two weeks after nerfs. So we've had a little bit more time before this one for nerfs, but we had an expansion and then nerfs like back to back. It felt like, and then this big tournament. So it's going to be really interesting uh, to watch. So I think this is definitely one you don't want to miss if you are interested in uh, competitive play at all. I know I'll be there. I mean, <laughs> I'll watch as much of it as I can, so. Uh, so, let's move on to the main topic, and Dragon Rider, I feel like it's only appropriate that you introduce it as you came up with the title for it. Well, okay, I came up with part of the title, <laughs> but <laughs> I think Mage uh, capitalized on it. So, we're calling mm. this Lock Paper Shaman. Yeah, I, <laughs> I said rock paper shaman, and yeah. then yeah, mage mage went the fir- step further. I saw that when it was typed out, it was like, oh, that is so good, <laughs> so good. I love it. Yeah, I thought you said lock paper shaman the first time, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I thought you said paper. rock, but then I thought, well, we could just change that yeah. to an L, and yeah. that would that would cover both the decks we want to talk about here. Brilliant and, pun, and this is both why of we you. Work together exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's, it's just like the rock paper scissors meta, right? Like it takes all three of us to figure this out. It's true. Illuminati triangle. All right, we're going down a spiral. I'm going down a spiral. All right. <laughs> okay, so. Mage, do you want to start off talking about Quest Lock of the Lock Paper Shaman? <laughs> sure. So so I, I don't have 
the quest line for shaman yet i i really want to get it because i've that's been popular but the deck i have played that i had a lot of fun playing was the quest handlock warlock deck which is uh you know definitely kind of rivals what, what is being referred to as the d6 or the steel stealer of souls warlock uh it's definitely an alternative it's the it's the more boomer friendly, lower APM sort of sort of warlock. So I like that. That works especially well if you're playing on mobile because you know <laughs> because that seems like a, a nightmare deck to play on mobile. But yeah, some of those animations. Uh, this, yes, but but this this one so it plays a lot of big things and what well, and it 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 feels like I I've tried playing handlock. The original handlock way back, uh, actually in classic mode, uh, you know, because that's actually a pretty solid deck in classic. And and uh, I'm the, I don't do very well with it. But this version of the deck, uh, you know, has the same has the same potential of putting out some really big minions uh, in the in the mid game. And you know, capitalizes on on cards, uh, capitalizes on a on a on a fair amount of healing that's available in the deck, both through the quest as well as just healing cards that are available in the deck, as well as it takes advantage of Battlemaster, which suddenly gives your big minions wind fury, so that you can hit your opponent in the face really hard. Uh, some of the some of the good matchups for this deck are the quest shaman deck as well as elemental shaman. Uh, does pretty well against some of the uh, aggro decks because of the healing it's got. Things like Shadow Priest, um, it it, it uh, does pretty well against Anaconda Druid, which is another combo deck, uh, or has a has a kind of combo or big swing turn uh, potential deck, as well as uh, something like Quest Rogue, which which was pretty popular but now feels a little less popular post post ba uh, balance patch. Uh, some of the bad matchups are those matchups where 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 they can uh, do a big swing turn on you, maybe as fast or faster, uh, like the D6 Warlock, um, or or like the Quest Demon Hunter. Uh, you know, being able to get uh, those uh, those big brutes down really fast. Now that that's uh, kind of the way that you're 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 playing Quest Demon Hunter, the uh, uh, Iron Brown Brute. Iron yeah, Brown. the Ironbound Brute. If they if they can uh, if they can you know turn four, turn five, play a, a bunch of zero mana uh, Ironbound Brutes, you're you're in for a bad time. Uh, Quest Mage isn't necessarily great because of the freezes that they have, but this is definitely a winnable matchup. But like real aggressive decks, things like uh, Secret Paladin or Face Hunter can be can be kind of difficult because they can burst you down because. You're kind of doing some damage to yourself in addition to the damage that they're pouring into your into your face. So um, mulligans for this deck, obviously, you're going to keep the quest. That's going to be uh, you know some that that's going to be offered all the time. Uh, Backfire is one of the best draw cards in this deck because it advances your quest, it draws you cards. So that is a keep in almost in basically every matchup, as well as tour guide. Tour guide allows you to to uh, to tap for free, um, which works really well with the dark layer. It works really well uh, just kind of in the early turns. It can even help you just 
get rid of a one one on the other side of the board just to try to try and do that plus it helps you increase your hand size um you know because it just sort of cycles for you so uh you'll want to probably keep tour guide in basically every matchup that fast matchups you're looking for soul rend which is the the five damage aoe to the entire board it discards cards uh based on the number of minions you kill so this is great for early games so the board doesn't get out of control on you plus allows you to uh you know get through your deck a little bit faster Touch of Nathrism, we've talked about this card a lot. It is a fantastic card in, in fast matchups because you're removing one of your opponent's cards and you're healing for four, um, which, is, which is really good. Drain Soul is another early keep that you could potentially have to keep you uh, from dying in the early game, uh, specifically if you're looking for, uh, at a lot of three health dominions or something like that. Unstable Shadow Bolt is also a really good card to kind of help you in the early game progress that first step in the in the quest, that sort of thing. So faster matchups, you're looking for stuff to help keep you alive in the early game so that you can make it to the big game to have the swing turn. For slow matchups, you're looking for the legendary Anathreon. Uh, that is the 8-6. That is one mana when your hand is full. That's the biggest thing that I think you're going to have to worry about or get used to with this matchup. You're going to have an almost full hand a lot of the time, or you're going to want to have a almost full hand all the time. And so uh, making sure that you keep track of the number of cards you have, that sort of thing uh, is going to be really important because you want an Athreon to come down and you want it to come down in that early to mid game uh, spot and you want it to be one mana. Goldshire Knoll is the other, other, uh, card that reduces in cost based on the number of cards in hand so the more cards you have in hand the cheaper that gets it has rush so it's really important to kind of help you with maybe something bigger uh in that early to mid game uh to to keep you from dying because they've got you know a four attack minion or a five attack minion or something that uh that you don't want to have to keep getting hit every turn with i just so thought- those, those are some of the mulligans you're looking for in your in the in these matchups that that uh that goldshire gnome's a little bit too close to mogu flesh shaper for my liking but uh that's not really a deck that you're seeing much of right now anyway so yeah it's it's i i definitely thought that the only reason goldshire knoll was a card was to kind of nerf uh you know 10 cost minions that get to that, that get conjured but it actually is a pretty solid card and a pretty good card to have in this deck because it because it does have rush because it's you know got five attack and can can keep you alive i i, I remember playing a game uh with edelweiss uh on stream when i was getting coached on this deck and and we ended up just uh raising dead we we played a knoll on on like turn four and we ended up uh using raised deads to to res a second gold channel then we res dead again to get two more nulls just so that we could stay alive long enough to actually win the game and we did in fact win the game because it was against a face hunter but that's the sort of power that this card has because it can you know it can potentially two for one and then and then you know if you've got a full hand you can you can keep bringing them back for real cheap and and, and they can keep keep you in the game 
it is a really good card. It is very powerful for this deck, so. Yeah, it it's felt weird seeing it because it's like, I don't know. In in other versions of Warlock, you're seeing like the Matron. That's a five five. Now, granted, I mean the the mana cost here is what you know, and and the way it works with the deck. But at first, it's one of those cards you look at and you're like, mm, I don't know about that. And then you play it and you're like, Oh, yeah, yeah this is pretty good. As yeah, say, I like this. You you <laughs> played on turn with raised deaths. Yeah, you played on turn four of rushing five four. Yeah, it's yeah, it's real yeah. good. Yeah, it, it's pretty solid. And being able to remove that and then follow up with other cheat minions that are either big or taunt or whatever, then it's like, yeah, this seems uh, really solid. And I do think that this is, uh, well, I'm pretty sure some of the stats are showing this is actually the highest win rate of the Warlocks. But I think, that, to me, this has felt like the most consistent uh, of the Warlocks as well. Because... Yeah. The the D six or six D some you know, whatever seven D eight now I don't know whatever <laughs> it's the same deck uh, that Mage was talking about it can be a little bit more difficult to play because you have a lot of really high APM turns the animations take longer but with this handlock version that we're talking about it's just it's it seems very consistent. So it's it's a bit easier to play in terms of like the turns themselves like for for the technical skill that like that way um but also right now in the meta it doesn't seem like there's a lot of decks that have answers to the big minions which I think is also why this does really well um the only decks that can really answer it are maybe a mirror match where they somehow have uh, some, like, double soul rend or something. That feels pretty bad. Um, but other than that, it doesn't doesn't feel like it's easy for other decks to deal with these big threats. So it makes this deck feel very solid. Yeah, it, it definitely does feel like when you start playing uh, scavengers that are 6-6 six, six, or the... Anathreon that's an eight six or or even even the the battlemaster itself. I, anything that's bigger than five health just feels like it's an absolute mountain to get off the board. And the fact that you have raised dead and can keep putting these targets back out onto the onto the battlefield, it feels it feels impossible to lose pretty much as long as as long as you're not just getting pummeled by a bunch of small things. It, this is this deck just feels like it can start putting out big threats around turn four, around turn five, slightly slower now that the the uh, the flesh giant costs nine mana rather than eight, but it 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 just it feels like you've got a lot of giants, you got a lot of big minions, and there's very very few ways to to remove, uh, you know, more than one, and like a lot of times you can kind of deal with one or maybe two. But beyond that, the fact that you could do this so consistently after turn after turn five or turn six is really really important. Yeah, the fact um, that you really keep to deal with. you know the flesh giants, you keep bringing them back. The Anetheron, you keep bringing them back, and all you need is like 
two of them to stick, one of them to stick, hell, even, like, and it's just, yeah, Battlemaster, go to town, go to town, so, yeah. Battlemaster, you were never playing on Curve. You were Correct. playing it once you had the minions in place. So the fact that it costs one more now really isn't that big a deal. It's pretty I, inconsequential. I mean, that and the uh, yeah. the uh, the flesh giant one. It, I have to take yeah. damage one more time on my turn. Oh darn! <laughs> my life total has <laughs> it, to change. It, does, it, it slows so, it down. So the sea giant, the sea giant does come down at least a turn later. It feels like in a lot of cases because like. I've been hard trying to get that thing out on turn four, and it just feels like that's that used to be pretty common, but now it's it, it, you almost have to have the coin in order to be able to get it out on turn four, and and even then it's like more than likely turn five or turn six. But I yeah, playing that first flight if you've got so we're gonna get into the tips here, and it is the first tip I'll tell you is don't worry about quest completion specifically. Um. You know, the quest is there. You're probably not completing the quest and getting the five mana seven seven Tamsin every single game. Uh, it is another big minion that potentially can hit your opponent's face for 14 with the Battlemaster. So it's not unimportant. But the reason the, the quest is in there is to help you reduce the cost of, of giants. Because every time you complete a section of the quest, you heal in addition to the, the you know the damage that you've been taking. So it, it's an extra uh, reduction on the giants. So that is that is something to 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 look at and remember. Uh, second thing, tapping in the early turns to get yourself to a, a fuller hand size is is very important in a lot of matchups. Um, you know that one mana and one mana Anathreon can come down as early as turn four. And and so once you especially if you have a raised dead in hand, the sooner you can get Anathreon and Giants onto the board, the better those raised dead uh, cards end up being. So you just it 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 really does. And the fact that you draw you get multiple cards in hand because of the raised dead means that you know if you have uh you know eight cards in hand, you play the. Uh, raise dead you will go up to 10 so that anathreon that died that you get back is immediately one mana so you can play it right away so it the it's awesome that the raise dead actually helps you to get to the one mana anathreon with regards to uh you know getting that full hand so uh so so that's really important but the other thing you have to remember and watch out for because it's really really sucks when you do it is Make sure that you have room for Tamsin if you're going to complete the final leg of the quest. I've seen a number of people, uh, not myself, but I've watched people like, uh, you know, popular streamers and, and and everybody that draws cards with, like, say, Backfire uh, to get that final set, final three damage that you need to complete the quest only to inadvertently get themselves to 10 cards before the quest completes. And so Tamsin is the card that remote gets, gets milled. You just don't get the quest reward. So that, that really sucks. <laughs> that is, that is a feels bad moment if there ever is one. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's it's really easy to do because you're drawing a lot of cards. You're keeping a hand that is almost full every single turn. And so it is very easy to do. So uh, I would recommend checking the number of cards that you have at the start of the turn. And every time you draw cards, try and keep a mental note of how many cards you're going to have before you do the draw cards and how many you'll have after you draw the cards because specifically with backfire because it's drawing you three cards uh it can be and raise dead it can be really difficult for the for you to like or very easy for you to inadvertently raise dead and lose your tamsin or backfire and lose your tamsin so i have never lost tamsin that way i have interestingly enough um played some of the d6 version so Tip for all you players out there, if you're going to uh, quest completion and playing Nightshade Matriarch and don't have Hand of Gul'dan in your hand, apparently, if that's the completion of your quest, it discards Tamsin because, for whatever reason, it comes to your hand before the battle cry comes off and then discards it immediately. I had that happen. I was like... That is an interaction that doesn't make sense to me because I'm like, it's not in my hand yeah, when it, I play it, it. It feels, yeah, it feels like the battle cry should resolve before the quest completion resolves. Yeah. But here's the thing: you played the quest before you played the matron. Yep. But usually the so so I'm assuming that's why that happens that way. But yeah, that doesn't seem intuitive that that would be how that would work. But, yeah, it may, but when yeah, you think about good. it, it makes sense because the damage is done to you because of her cost. The quest gets completed, Tamsin goes in your hand, and then her battle cry goes off. So that's yeah, why that so happens. Order order of operations yes. there, sort of thing. It's, yeah, I've done that. I've not done the, I've not played this version of Quest Warlock, or Quest Warlock but yes, it's, not good to lose your Tamsin, but to be fair, yeah. to be fair, I've never lost to this deck by Tamsin. I've never seen this deck complete the quest. I just get punched with giants with battle masters. So like, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not how this deck wins. Yeah, so this deck, and oddly enough, uh, in the the bad matchup against this, the the quest demon hunter, like we mentioned, that's. You know, going in on drawing a whole bunch, playing Brutes, uh, maybe playing Lion's Frenzy. Um, it's very similar in the style of you're just drawing a bunch of decks. And it can be uh, fine if you burn that. But uh, take it from me because I have done it with each of those decks. You think I would learn after the first time? Nope, I've burned the quest reward playing handlock and i burned the quest reward playing quest demon hunter so i've done it <laughs> multiple times whoops uh but yeah you're you don't need that to win and it's not really like the goal of the deck but it still feels it's, bad and it's uh, it's, yeah. it's that secondary <laughs> win condition that yeah. you, you know if you don't have to like throw it out with the bathwater let's 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 keep it let's do yes. it and, and yeah yeah, yeah. Like, especially like said, if you like, have pay attention to your hand size like constantly yeah that that is definitely something that i've learned uh playing this deck is that it is it is it is really easy to do and and, and so just 
keeping track of where your hand is before and after any sort of card draw thing is really important. So I, uh, I'll, I'll one-up you real quick. Have you burned Dawn Grasp yet? Because I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I don't play uh, Mage. No. <laughs> I, the, the games that I've played, I have been able to keep Dawn Grasp. Yeah, it turn, turns out when you have a full hand and complete the quest with First Flame or uh, Ruined Orb, you're going to have a bad uh, time. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so yes, so don't don't feel too bad, Don. I've done something deliberately worse. So, <laughs> uh. so two two last things with with this deck. Don't worry about burning cards of Solrend. That is your kind of comeback mechanic. It, it takes out a lot of things. If you burn three four cards, there's enough redundancy in this deck that a lot of times you'll be able to recover from that. Uh, uh, not too much of a problem because of raise dead. Uh, so if you mill a giant, you know, burn a giant or something, if you still have one, you can still probably get there. But the other thing, because it's it, it's burning cards, you soul rend actually helps you get to the one mana scavengers and activates your bristlebacks uh, sooner. And a lot of times in in some of the quicker matchups, you're going to need that to have that bristleback online so that it's doing life steal damage. Um, the, the turn you play it. And last thing is the, it, this deck really is about create putting big minions down and hitting your opponent in the face. Uh, per, hopefully with the battle master as well. So every time, you know, as much as you can try and have one or two big threats on the board, starting on turn six, because your opponent's going to feel pressure to, to need to remove those things. And they're going to, they're going to do it easily, then they're going to do it inefficiently, and then they're not going to be able to do it. And the, the time that they don't be able to do it, that's when you get the win. So do what you can to present a big threat. The gnolls, the scavengers, you know, uh, the, the flesh giants, obviously. Tamsin can be one of those minions as well. But just get one or two of those so that, you know, you can potentially set up a win condition with a battle master on the, on the follow. So unless you guys have anything else to, to share about Handlock, let's jump over and let's talk about Quest Shaman because that Ooh. deck looks really fun. I really want to try it. And uh, I think that we're going to see a lot of it here in the next, in the next few weeks. <laughs> and the doggos agree that we are going to continue <laughs> to see more Quest Mage. Uh, or not Quest Mage. That's what I've been playing. Um, yes. more quest shaman. I apologize. And dragon riders back with, uh, quiet doggos. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, <sorry. laughs> they, they hear that garage door and they just go crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like last week during grandmasters, they kind of were talking about quest shaman because as you read in the news earlier, right? Like everybody brought warlock, but the second one was shaman. So Shaman was a big discussion point, and I'm sure a lot of you are probably starting to see it on ladder a lot. Uh, there's a couple different variants, but I've, I feel like Quest Shaman definitely has kind of become the the favorite. And there's kind of a good reason for that. It is, it's kind of the, uh, I don't want to use the phrase king. I'm trying to think of a better thing, but it's kind of the the best of the aggro decks because it beats up on all of the other aggro decks. And it has some game into some of the other matchups, but it's 
it's like the just the best of all of the aggro. It does super well, so let's go over the good matchups. It beats the aggro Shadow Priest. It beats Face Hunter. It beats uh, the Quest Demon Hunter. And it beats uh, pretty much both of the, the aggro Elemental Shaman or the Elemental Shaman and Miracle Rogue. So some of those decks that take a little bit more time, like the Demon Hunter and Miracle Rogue, to kind of find their things that they're looking for, and the other aggro decks, which makes sense because of some of the cards that we're going to talk about, but the bad matchups, um, it doesn't do very well versus the quest handlock that we just talked about uh, because it doesn't really have a great way especially in the early to mid game to start dealing with all those big, you know, the big minions that mage was talking about. Uh, it does not do very well versus the, the D six warlock as well. And the, it just kind of gets out too fast. And it also doesn't do very well versus quest mage. Uh, so talking about general mulligans, definitely. I mean, the quest that you start with, um, but also lightning bloom is a big one to keep it. Just, it's very flexible. It works towards your quest completion. It allows you to get to uh, some of your other cards that you're looking for and just get you on board a lot faster with, with what you're trying to do. So against more aggressive and board-focused decks, like the other aggro decks that it does well against, uh, feral, feral Spirits and Perpetual Flame are two very big cards. Perpetual Flame, in one mana to usually clear the board and progress your quest all with one card and one mana. Insane. Such a good card in those matchups. Um, and then Feral Spirits, you're working towards your quest, but you're putting out taunts. And one thing that I've noticed too, um, I've been playing a lot of, uh, especially the like Elemental Shaman, but the three health on those Feral Spirits is actually really relevant to a lot of the minions because a lot of the minions right now can't really answer the three health. They can do two damage. So it generally takes two things or a spell that your opponent wants to play to clear that uh, when they probably want to send that spell face and not to this two, three taunt. Uh, so feral spirits and perpetual flame are really good against those other like board focused, uh, more aggressive decks. Now, in the slower or matchups where they're not really going to be playing minions, especially like Mage or the the Demon Hunters or things where they're going to be playing the bigger stuff a bit later, it's going to be things like you're looking for Guidance uh, or the Marsh Spawns or trap Entrapped Sorceresses and Doomhammers. So what those do is Guidance, you can take that and pick both options. And then it counts as playing an overload card. So you, again, work towards your quest. It gives you more flexibility and now what you have in your hand to work with, uh, which often is either more overload or it's some sort of like removal or a discover. Uh, and then the marsh spawns and entrap sorceress, same kind of concept. You are getting uh, some, some other resources. You're discovering something to either find something to complete your quest or for removal. And then Doomhammer, again, just work towards completing your quest and uh, working towards hitting them in the face a bunch because that's what Doomhammer likes to do. 
Um, have either of you really played this or, or seen it a lot? I've seen my fair share of it, and yeah. <laughs> Depends on what I'm playing, but like... The deck is really powerful, like, especially that first quest reward, unlocking mana crystals. And, like, before we started recording, Mage is like, yeah, when they finish it with a lightning bloom, where you get two free mana and no downside, um, it's really, really powerful. Like, they have, I mean, a lot of good overload spells, especially... You know, like Canal Slogger is just uh just the beater in the in the aggro matchups because like, oh, do a bunch of damage to me. Canal Slogger. I just healed for six. Um you're gonna have to put either you're gonna either heal me again or you're gonna have to put your DPS, which you need to go to my face to kill me, into it. And it's just Yeah, the the deck just has a lot of answers. And then the end game of, you know, Either, you know, just a bunch of burn spells to face or, um, you know, charge call. That charge call, 10, 10 mana, 2 mana, 2, 10 yes. mana minions for 3. Yeah. Yeah, that's nutty. Charge call, char- charge call after Brucon just is gross, gross, gross. It's, it's perfectly but, good by itself even before Brucon, yeah. but like. Like, cards like Guidance just get, like, nutty. Because, you know, it's like, that deck, you can literally run on fumes and pick up a Guidance, and all of a sudden, you're good to go. Like, there's... That deck has a lot of hits when you're in top deck mode. So, like, it it, it doesn't shock me that the, 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 that deck is really good. So, I, I haven't played the deck. I don't have the quest yet. Think that's probably I'm going to end up crafting it here sooner rather than later. But perpetual flame, if you're playing against any sort of aggressive deck, perpetual flame probably is going to single-handedly win you the game because they're they're just most of the minions aggro decks are playing right now have three or less health, and you're going to be able to clear uh, you know most or an entire board just with one mana. You know, obviously you're going to overload for each time that you you know each time it goes off and so it only counts as one towards your quest but you you potentially can clear a board for one mana which is exceptionally powerful and feral spirits is is yeah it's 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 a speed bump but it's enough of a speed bump that it's it's really difficult And, and like yeah like we were saying if you if you set set up your turn so that like your uh you know lightning blooming into feral spirits as kind of the last the last um charge of your first uh your first quest and then into the second quest it just it feels really difficult for for your opponent to deal with it and then you've got guidance which is just a huge thing you're all you almost always take you you pretty much always take both because that then overloads and then it counts towards your quest progression and you know you can get healing, you can get removal, you can get damage, you can get all sorts of stuff in, in Guidance, which is, you know, and, and presumably more overload cards as, as well. So it's 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 such such a good card. And, and then your opponent doesn't necessarily know what you have in hand. And, and so it's hard to play around those those cards. Yeah, 
Yep. Um, actually, a uh, huge shout out to my uh, AFG teammate, Itachi. He was uh, he was kind of co-oping some games with me earlier because I was just really down about myself and my, my skill. But he was helping me out. And yeah, we kind of talked about that. Um, it's like there actually just feels like so much generation in the deck with, like you said, with the, uh, you know, creating spells from guidance or creating minions off of charged call it's just like it, it's almost like the new priest like it has that flexibility and that just okay i'm just gonna generate some stuff i'm just gonna create this thing now i'm just gonna oh generate something else now over here and okay now i'm gonna create something else uh so it, it does kind of a lot uh but let's let's talk about some of the kind of big tips for the deck and one of them you guys are kind of already talked about but Ideally, you want to complete the first part of the quest when you can make use of the unlocked mana crystals. Like, it feels really bad to complete the first part of the quest and you're like, okay, cool, now I unlocked my mana crystals and I have one mana and two <laughs> and three cost cards in my hand. Cool. Like, all right, I completed that for basically nothing. Uh, so the, the best use of that is when you can complete it and then play something else after unlocking those mana crystals. Um, now, again, kind of going with the mulligans that I talked about, but some of the ways that the decks play out or how you ideally want to kind of play these matchups now versus decks that want to be on board, like the more aggressive decks, aggro druid, uh, shaman, hunters, those type of decks... Uh, you really want to focus on clearing the board with things like that perpetual flame, creating the taunts with feral spirits, uh, feral spirits, um, just things like that. Just kind of stall the first part of the game, start to prolong the game. And then like uh, Daring said, then mid game, ooh, you have a nice six, six uh, heal or maybe more <laughs> potentially, but finding those sloggers in the mid game to kind of start to stabilize and then closing out with creating value from Fireheart and some stuff or yeah, completing the quest and then going in with charged calls and uh, or completing the quest and then closing the game out with some spells. And honestly, even in some of the more aggressive uh, matchups, you may not even need to rely on completing the quest kind of like we've talked about, but even just, just focusing on removing their damage potential, slowing down their resources, stabilizing with things like the slogger, and then closing out the game with your own stuff. Uh, but versus like kind of the slower decks, ones that aren't going to have as much board presence, it's like the quest warlock or quest mage. Uh, I have seen some priests that are not shadow priests. So they're out there. Uh, slower druids, like the Anaconda druids, those kind of things. Uh, it, it does feel more helpful to actually work on completing the quest in those matchups. Just try to complete the quest quickly and then push tons of damage with that Brucon from the quest completion and a bunch of spells for double damage or getting all those big ton 10 cost minions like, uh, like uh, Daring and Mage were talking about with the double charged calls. So those are kind of the directions you want to play. And I, I feel like almost that's very similar to kind of what you were talking about mage with the, the handlock 
it's like against the board focused aggro decks it's like okay just kind of use your things here to to kill off their stuff stall the game a little bit then you get a bunch of big stuff down and and win yeah i don't i so i i get where you're coming from when you're talking about it being an aggro deck but at the same time it just feels like it's it feels a little more resource focused than your typical aggro deck and it and it feels like it's kind of uh, you know, amassing, 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 and then has this big swing turn uh, a lot of times. But I, I ju- it might just be the games that I've been seeing with it. But it, it, it does, um, it does look to kind of get on the board early and and dictate tempo. So there is some, you know, that that is something that aggressive decks I feel like tend to tend to want to do. But the, you know, the 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 win condition of the deck the the finisher finisher with uh you know being able to play you know some mid-sized or slightly bigger minions or or just create this big board state uh in a swing turn um yeah it just it it feels i don't know i it just felt like it came out of nowhere when i when i started seeing the deck and it's like well i'm looking at the deck and it's like yeah, there's some damage in here, and there's some overload in here, and I and I, I I get it, but like, how does this thing actually win games if it doesn't win games by having just you know seven mana or ten mana seven sevens with death rattle seven seven, uh, you know from charged call? But but there there is a fair amount of damage in here, and if you've already kind of you know pushed some damage in the early turns, if you've you know prolonged your your life total with a canal slugger or two you know you've got fireheart in here that can help you discover some answers or some additional burn and then yeah the idea of just brucon where suddenly every spell that you cast it after that point is doubled is is really scary it's nutty it the deck is just really i thought it was a meme at first i was like of course people are trying this deck it's it's not going to be yeah, good. John Bray yeah. created it, so it's kind of yeah. you know <laughs> exactly. And not not no no shade on John Bray. He is a great player, but sometimes John Bray creates decks that only John yeah, exactly. can actually play with exactly any, yeah. with any competence. <laughs> and and this 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 felt like it started there, but it is definitely expanded out. It is this is not a meme. This is this is a legitimate. Threat. Oh yeah. And, and has has win potentials all over. out of nowhere too, like literally out of nowhere. It can OTK, one hundred percent can OTK. So like, yeah, we, yeah. If you said su- if you suddenly get a wind fury off of Instructor Fireheart, along with like maybe you got a uh, you know, um, oh gosh, the rockbiter off of guidance or something suddenly you just do just an absolute ton of damage out of nowhere just from one minion it's just crazy there was an otk in um grandmasters over the weekend with two zappers and three lightning bolts Uh, i'm checking my math and that is sure is 30 damage (laughs) yeah and i'll say like I am going to call this a value or uh, yeah, mostly just value deck. Yes. Um, yes. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think we talked about it, right. But kind of the discussion on like the aggro or control or terms. Yeah. I'm honestly, In- I'm just going to try to get away from. <laughs> In- initiative <laughs> yeah. versus, 
initiative and resource versus like aggro or or control this this does feel like it's trying to amass resources to Mm -hmm. kind of set themselves up in a position to where they can either do some sort of big swing turn or do some big you know kind of finishing sort of combo sort of thing you know depending on depending on what cards they generate from you know the charged call or you know how far along in the quest they are that sort of thing yeah Yeah, i really think value is the best way to describe this deck too i mean if you look at it i mean we've talked about some of these but guidance right marsh spawns creating things and trap sorceress creating things uh you have um Fire hearts, the charged calls, uh, the honestly, the second part of the quest creates a three three on board for you. Like there's, there's a ton of creation and generation in this deck. So it's serpent shrine portal. Por- you know, yeah, those, those... Um, there, there's just so much like that. It creates a very value, and it. There's a lot of flexibility with the deck, which I think is why it's doing so well right now, too. Because, again, we talked about, okay, like, cool, in, uh, you know, in the more board-focused matchups, you can use these removal tools, and there's some great early game. And, and then in these slower matchups, there's these tools. Uh, whereas if you look at maybe Mage, for example, people have been coming up with ideas of, Hey, if you just stop playing minions against a quest mage, they struggle to complete their quest because their spells need to target minions. Whereas this deck is just like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I could play this thing. I can play this spell and create minions. I could play this spell and cast it on your face. And then I do damage to you and I create a minion. And, you know, it's like there's so many different things that are going on with this deck that it's... There's not, like, an easy way to just answer it um and, and kind of deal with it except for creating big things or basically doing the same thing that it's trying to do to you like quest mage does like how i'm just gonna send a bunch of spells at their face until they're dead uh, so it's i think that's a huge reason why it's so good right now now is that gonna get better or worse once more cards are added to the pool and this generation is like eh, i don't know Maybe <laughs> we'll see, but as of right now, it's it's just very flexible and it's got a lot going for it. For sure. So one one last thing I'll just quickly say because we're we're probably at about our time is both of these decks are are very I think different than say your standard Hearthstone deck of playing things on on uh, you know on tempo or or with initiative and so you're probably going to just have to practice with them in order to get good with them. Like navigating the overloads for the shaman deck or, you know, keeping a a good hand count and keeping track of where you're at on, on your quest in the hand lock are, are skills that we haven't necessarily had to flex a lot of muscle on in the more recent time in standard. So give yourself a break remind yourself that these are skills that I'm going to have to work on when I'm playing these decks and, and, and really focus on those things as you're, as you're playing, because yeah, overload is a, is a, is a interesting mechanic and it's really powerful, but can it also be really punishing 
if you don't if you don't set up your turns because you do have to kind of plan ahead and like you were talking about maximizing that first quest reward where your mana crystals get unlocked that sort of thing or if you're playing overdraft in the list making sure that you can get a good overdraft you know or get a decent value out of the overload uh uh on the overdraft that sort of thing so Definitely, definitely keep those in mind when you're if you're if you are just starting out with these decks because those are those are some things about these decks that maybe you you won't have uh, as much experience with recently. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. So that will wrap it up for this week for us. Um, so, Mage, let's go into next week's poll question. All right, poll question for this week. Um, we. Didn't really have a question about the the main topic, so I just had a question about the rewards track. Uh, you know, there's been some some talk about that in the online and stuff. So, how far through the rewards track are you? As a, you know, as you're listening to this, or as you come across the poll question, uh, we're just curious where you're at. Are you under level 25? Have you not gotten your first legendary off the rewards track? Are you between 25 and 50? Uh, 50, you get another legendary in the URL uh, card uh, hero portrait if you have the tavern pass. Are uh, you between 51 and 75? So if you picked up, you're closer going to be picking up that 20% bonus if you are in the tavern pass. Or are you uh, one of these big achievers that I've been seeing that are, sp- that are sporting your Stormwind coin or the or the uh, level 80 Tamsin portrait, that sort of thing. A level 76 or higher is the last option. So vote. Tell us where you're at so I can see how far behind I am for you, and we will talk about the results on next week's show. Speaking of the show, you can follow, you can email the show at dr3hs at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Twitter at dr3hs. And follow the top pin tweet to join our Discord. Um, and you can find myself on Twitter at Daring Alkaline and streaming Bloodborne right now at twitch.tv forward slash Daring Alkaline. At least I've been getting on stream at least like one to two days a week. So like I give a little bit of notice, but I generally will hop on for a couple hours and play some Bloodborne uh, until I get done with that. So. Um, Dragon Rider, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at DonnieDK. That's D-A-W-N-I-E-D-K. Streaming in the mornings during the week over at twitch.tv slash DragonRiderDK. Also DragonRiderDK on YouTube. And you can find me on ProGuides doing coaching if you're looking for that. Uh, So, oh. I mean, all over the place. Like, I'm just everywhere. Really. <laughs> That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a, a lot going on, and I think I'm kind of in a, a lull right now, like a little bit less going on, but hopefully, you know, next week we're going to have all sorts of uh, stuff with the mercenaries to look forward to and all sorts of stuff, so I'm sure I will kind of get back to pushing a little bit more content after that. Awesome. And Mage, take us home. Uh, you can find me talking about Hearthstone, D&D, other video games I'm playing on Twitter. I'm at Major Death there. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in this week. And as always, you've been listening to 
Doctor 3.